0: Welcome to Working Towards Our Purpose, a podcast that offers a different perspective on what a job can be. For everyone out there that's heard that voice in the back of their head asking for something more, it's time to listen to it. I'm your host, Gino, and join me as I interview people who have decided to work in their own purpose. Together, we will learn, become inspired, and hopefully find our own path towards working in our purpose. Joining me today is Carolyn Johnson, who is a licensed marriage and family therapist out of San Diego, California. Together with her business partner, Rhea, they have created Connected, Seen, and Heard, which is a therapy practice centered around connection and the human need to belong. She is also the host of her podcast, Connecting the Collective. She's a mom, and she's also one of my podcasting clients, and we've worked together over the past few years. Carolyn, thank you so much for being here. I'm excited that you're here.
1: Thank you, Gino. I am so honored to be here. Such a, such a privilege.
0: <laughs> so can you tell us a little bit in your own words, uh, how you would describe yourself and what you do and, and that sort of thing?
1: Yeah. It's funny if, you know, the the first thing that comes to my mind is I am a mom. Um, I would say as my, you know, as my my journey, my life's journey has evolved, that probably rolls to the top right now as all-consuming and probably one of the most, if not the most rewarding experience I have ever had in my life. And on a purely professional realm, I am a therapist. I didn't have a background in psychology. Um, I don't come from uh, like a family of therapists or whatnot. So that was uh, somewhat of like a uh, like a high into the right choice that I made at one point in my life, and that has been, an absolutely exceptional experience. I have probably mentioned before in in different podcast episodes that when I sort of began sitting with clients for the first time, I really felt like oh, like I'm home. I have found my calling. I have found the thing professionally that most closely aligns with my being, like my way of uh, my my human way of being the way I conceptualize the world. It just it brings me joy. It is truly a privilege to sit with people in that space. It's challenging. It allows me and requires me to consistently be growing and evolving, um, which I love. That's something, you know, staying curious and like invested in life, not stagnant. um, That's important to me. I have brothers. I'm a sister. I am, you know, a daughter to my parents. I'm actually get to go home tomorrow, which oh, I'm nice. so excited about for a little summer vacation with the girls. And, you know, from again, from a professional standpoint, Raya and I own our group practice. Rhea and I have worked together for, I don't know, like 14 years now in a variety of different settings and created connected. It was really born out of this like desperate desire to provide opportunity, space, like experiences where people felt deeply, authentically connected to one another. We watched the transformative power of that happen in treatment settings year after year after year and felt like, why can't we create that in a private practice setting? So the practice definitely has clinical space, right? We do individual couples, family therapy, um, but we also do our best COVID put a little bit of a wrench in it, but do our best to create in-person opportunities for people who might not otherwise meet one another to connect. So through workshops, like experiential sort of trainings, things like that. So to, you know, to bring people together to really like watch and nurture and foster the, like the power of authentic connection.
0: Hmm. That's, that's definitely a lot of things. And I definitely have so many questions for you about all of it, (laughs) but I think I want to start with like how you got into therapy. And um, I know that you had mentioned in one of your own podcast episodes that you had sort of a sales corporate-ish background. Like, can you talk Mm -hmm. to me a little bit about like that transition and how that was like for you?
1: Yeah. So out of college, I lived downtown Chicago. I'm from Chicago originally. I worked in a sales you know, that was my profession. I was in sales. I actually worked for a telecom company. So I sold audio, video, and web conferencing into any company that did anything. Didn't matter. Like, you know, nothing was off limits. It was just if they had a need. And so I got to learn so much about so many different types of people and so many different types of businesses which at 23 or 24 i now know was like such a blessing because i got to walk into and kind of learn the inner workings of how different corporations worked and that was a huge company it became a global company over the duration that i worked there so i really saw you know what like small corporate to giant corporate looked and felt like And it was really challenging. I appreciated how much I learned because I'm not a techie person. So I was consistently out of my comfort zone. I left that company and I actually moved on to work for a smaller... I guess smaller in comparison to this giant global company, but it was a technically a publishing company that sort of then expanded. They had trade publications, they hosted trade shows, smaller workshops and conferences. And so I was, I did a variety of different sales things, both ad space, as well as worked on the trade show and and like event side of it. And that I traveled a lot, which provided me the opportunity at that point, I was living out here in San Diego, provided me the opportunity to see my family a lot, but it was, it was exhausting. So it was, uh, you know, it was, I felt very blessed, but it was also difficult and I sort of became disillusioned. And so I worked for years with my therapist. She would ask me these questions. If money wasn't an issue and time was of no consequence, what would you do? And finally, one day, I remember like so brave. I just looked at her. I was like, I would do what you do. (laughs) She's like, all right, let's go. (laughs) And it took me some time after that. I had to do prerequisites because I wasn't a psych undergrad. But I, I realized that the thing I loved so much about my sales jobs were the relationships I created with my customers right? Like I would walk in to see my customers and we'd end up talking about whatever the business portion of the conversation was for five minutes. And we'd chat about, you know, like their kids or whoever got married or how is this going with your husband or so on and so forth. And that part I loved, I loved so much. And I, I think I realized for the first time that people Will characterize you in certain ways. And I had heard before, like I'm a people person or I like to be around, you know, a relationship person. But I think I realized that, yes, that that is a like a characteristic of mine, but it it also is a strength, right? It's something that I could mm-hmm. turn into a skill and a profession to really authentically, genuinely be connected to people. I just didn't have the skills to help them grow and heal. That's the part I was missing. And so that's where grad school came in.
0: <laughs> so was it a like quick to sit like you, when you finally realized that, were you able to then make a decision and then go for it? Or was there still a lot of like fear behind it of like, well, I don't know if I can do that. It's what I want, but I don't know if I can do that. Cause that's something yeah. that I've personally struggled with for a while with a lot of things.
1: <laughs> totally. Yeah. I mean, fear mm-hmm. is so real. And I think, I think my, yes, The short answer is yes. I remember saying that in my therapist's office. And the next step that I took, which felt minimal risk as compared to grad school, was like, all right, I'll sign up for a prereq and just see how that goes, right? So it was like baby steps. That's sort of how I moved into it. And I would say probably the largest hurdle for me was honestly the financial piece. It was like, I'm going to go into a tremendous amount of debt to go to grad school and i will make significantly less in this new profession that i'm choosing as compared to where i'm at and that felt risky and i got a lot of outside feedback of like that's not really very smart right like i'm a young person entering into my career you have no debt and you're in a profession that could make you really you know could like could, could provide some financial stability And you're going to take this turn. And so I had to grapple with that a lot and kept coming up against like what's smart, what's acceptable, what's, you know, good quote unquote choice versus like, no, like I know in my heart, I know in my soul, that is my path. And it's going to be, you know, more difficult in certain ways, but it's also like, it's my quality of life. I... Ended up at points just hating going into work when I worked in the corporate sales side of things. And I, like, I, I use the word over and over again, and I hope it doesn't, it's not, it's because I, it is so appropriate. It is a privilege to do what I do. Like the space that people allow me, invite me into in their world that it's sacred, right? And I get to see that side of people and like, Human beings, just our community, the brave, the courageous, the resilient, the growth minded, like part of people all the time. And that's like, in, that's inspiring. And I wasn't inspired in my last job, I was just good at it. You know, and that uh-huh. felt good for a while, but not forever.
0: Yeah. um, So I remember also from one of your podcasts that you said something about like making decisions with your head or your heart. And uh, I remember like that kind of striking me because I feel like I more so often make decisions with my head because I'm a very logical person. I went to engineering <laughs> school. Like <laughs> I was, was going to ask sp- you,
1: what is your background? Because I only know yeah. you as, you know, <laughs> podcast, you know. I know you mm-hmm. in this space.
0: <laughs> yeah, I was a mechanical engineer and I worked for oh, military wow. defense contractors for about six or seven years. Um, so very oh. analytical, very like matter of fact. Um, so for me, that transition of getting out of that mindset and like, patterned ways of thinking was very difficult. And I I guess now that I'm looking at my transition and comparing it to yours, it was also a very slow thing because it was started on the side, no risk, still have my paycheck Um, and then kind of built some confidence and then built like you were saying relationships and having people like be super appreciative of the thing that I'm doing and then feeling that and being like, Oh, this feels right. I think I need to do more of this. And then eventually, getting all the way into it was it similar for you like when you maybe first took that class was it something that like you took the first class and then you felt it right even though people were saying like hey this is probably not a good decision logically
1: yeah i i remember so school has always been hard for me academics mm-hmm. traditional academics are difficult i i'm not afraid of hard work i never have been so i would work really hard and get you know good grades but it was grueling to do that. Whereas in comparison, like athletics came pretty naturally. I still worked really hard, but I felt like that was more of a fluid process. Whereas academics were always such a strain and so clunky. So going back to grad school felt really daunting because of that past experience. But when I started taking my prerequisites in psych... I was so fascinated by the material. And that's when I was like, oh, so this is an arena that's difficult. And you knew you were going to have to just muscle through it, but I'm looking forward to it. And you had said, you know, you kind of tiptoed and it was risk-free. I did this thing on the side, but had my paycheck. I held on to my sales job throughout my entire first year of grad school. I worked... Full-time. My job morphed because I could no longer travel, but I, you know, they were very gracious and sort of, you know, adjusted my job, you know, in order to accommodate. But I worked all day during the, you know, I worked full-time during the day and then I went to school all night, four days a week. So yeah, I like, I held on tight to what felt stable (laughs) Mm -hmm, (laughs) until, you know, then you like almost lose your mind because that's not sustainable. And then finally relinquished that
0: very, very similar to me. I was home for the pandemic doing both jobs, like never leaving my desk or my apartment at all. And yes. then got to the end of 2020 and I was like insane. And like, I can't, I can't do both of these. Like I have to pick one. <laughs> so it was <laughs> a, interesting and the, the similarities between that. <laughs> yeah. So I, I also want to maybe transition a little bit into talking about like being your authentic self. And I know it's kind of like a buzzword nowadays and maybe, it's uh, not the best use of words, but I think it gets the point across. Um, for me, like, I think part of my transition was getting closer to who I wanted to be. Did you find that similar in, in your experience? And I guess like, I don't know, talk, talk to us about like how you were able to be more yourself in the work and through the transition.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I'm just thinking I, yes, like I I can say definitively that I am my authentic being in the therapy room, right? Like I bring my personality into that space and I, I truly believe it's what allows me to so deeply connect with my clients. If I back up, I I think earlier I was saying, you know, people would describe me as a people person or, you know, I have. I'm not a person who has like a zillion friends, but I do have really deep, close friendships that I've had since you know childhood. So I've always known that I was a relationship person, but those were sort of like descriptors. Like I have brown hair, like they were just, it was like how people characterized me. And I think I distanced myself from those things because it didn't feel like a strength or a skill that could then transfer into professional or career paths, if that makes sense. And so it was like, Oh, those are, those are just things, you know, I'm that I am or that I do, but they're irrelevant because they're not career. They they're not associated with a career. And, and again, it took, I mean, it took me six, seven years in sales to realize, no, like that's my superpower. That is where I feel most genuinely me because for me to ask curious questions and be invested in somebody that happens in a snap. That's, that is my most authentic way of being. I love people. People are fascinating to me and I can very quickly move to a space of compassion and empathy. I think also I have had experiences where that from my perspective has felt like it's been taken advantage of, right? Like don't mistake kindness for weakness type of thing. You know, and I I do my own work in setting boundaries and being clear because I want to treat people well. I err on the side of like trust and, you know, giving people the benefit of the doubt. And so I think for a while I I tried to move away from that side of me because it didn't feel like it was safe to lean into it because I felt like I was being taken advantage of. And that was like more in the corporate space. And then when I realized I can be all of me, I just need to add boundaries and be really clear about where I end and you, whoever you are, start. That's when I could really begin to like settle into that authentic me and begin to give more time and attention to these things that I just thought were sort of like silly descriptors, but are like actually my deepest gift.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think it is funny how like you don't recognize your own strength as something that's like important or, or valuable is like, yeah. I think like you, it's just something that you don't even really think about until enough people kind of say it to you. And then you're like, Hmm, maybe I am good at this particular thing and maybe that's what helps me in this particular job or particular task. For me, it's been something that I've been noticing more and more, but only ever since I've quit and like started working on my own, um, that I've noticed like things that maybe I am good at and (laughs) giving yourself credit for things. And,
1: And also, just because you were saying before, like you're pretty linear or logical, I think inviting that more creative, abstract thought process, because on paper, X isn't necessarily relatable or transferable. But if you live in a more abstract, creative world, X can turn into right. the like the most transferable skill in whatever profession. So just allowing that, yeah, like broader thinking, um, which is sometimes really hard, you know, depending on how you grew up or how you're hardwired or the environment you exist in. But yeah, I think that piece too is like, Hey, wait, let's think bigger than this. Right. Like let's, let's open up perception a little bit.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. Um, so I do, do want to talk a little bit more about like your business and, and how it got yeah. started. And I think maybe the biggest question I have for you is, um, I know that you've started it with a partner and you said you've worked with Rhea for a while now. What is it like to work with somebody and to trust somebody in something as, I guess, important as your livelihood and the way that, you know, you make money? Um, has it been easy or or difficult? And like, how did that relationship start into a business?
1: Yeah all of those things. I, I, so back to your question about head or heart, I'm a heart person. I, when something feels right, I lean into it. I, I could absolutely employ some of my head more often, you know, like I don't think things through very well. Like that's not my natural way of being. I'm not a planner. I'm not very strategic. Yeah. That feels great. Let's do that thing. And that's how Raya is too. So she and I, are similar in the risks that we're willing to take. We are similar in that we're feelers, right? And so we can move forward with something that just like, yeah, that like feels like it fits us. Uh, It is such a blessing. We have very complementary strengths. And so from the organizational side, the system side of things, I can go out, do podcasts, network, meet people, do all day long. I love doing that stuff. It's energizing to me. I genuinely appreciate those opportunities. Rhea gets to keep the books and make sure payroll's tight and she's our HR person and she's so good at that and she genuinely enjoys making sure that like the business side of the business is running well. I could never do what she does and she could never do what I do. And so that's like such a gift, right? There's definitely challenges as we have grown, I mean in being business partners. There's been monumental life changes, marriages, babies, different houses, locations, things like that. And so we have learned to dance with one another. When one person has to dip out because of a life experience, the other picks up the slack and vice versa. And I think that for the most part, we do that really fluidly. But that's, you know, that's been a learning curve for sure. And in terms of trusting her, I just did from the beginning. Rhea is so, she's loyal, like fiercely loyal. She's transparent, she's direct. There's no bullshit. Like, I know what I'm going to get from her. She doesn't play games. She is what she is, right? And that allowed me to lean in very quickly. You know, and I, I don't know how she would describe me, but she and I have had the conversation. A person that you know, Alyssa, former colleague of ours, had asked us in one of our podcast series, how did you know you would be good business partners? And Ray and I both answered, we didn't know because we didn't even know what it meant to be business partners. We just knew that we could trust one another in whatever we were going to come up against and like work through it compassionately, honestly, with the mission. And both of us are incredibly hard workers and have not only a like a fierce passion for this industry but a commitment to working because it provides for our family so it's not sort of like a you know a, a side thing it's it's something that we're passionate about on like a you know a mission and a purpose level but also it it provides for the people that we love the most and so that's a strong driver for us as well
0: so the relationship definitely came first and then it was kind of it just oh yeah came out naturally kind of to start the business?
1: We would sit, we were working at a previous treatment center and we would sit on our breaks on this couch. We would eat our lunch and we would draw and write all the things like, okay, what's this just like, right? It's like, this was the creative process of our vision and our mission. We still have, it's in our practice. It's in the break room. The first logo we drew you know, like we ha- I have chills, like we would just brainstorm and it would be this invigorating process when things felt really tough about like what we would create. That was a slow burn, too. We would ju- we would just like have these creative brainstorms about our name and our logo and the vibe and the energy. And it took us a long time to get there. But, you know, now now we've been here for I think almost eight years.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah crazy. that's crazy. It is crazy. And it's interesting too, because I I think I just noticed a connection about like the excitement that you had about it. And then that being able to get you through the difficult part, similarly to when you went to grad school and you were excited about it. And then that was like what drove you, even though it was difficult and hard to figure out, just being excited about it is something that I think isn't really valued a lot or can't really tangibly be valued sometimes. Um, But I'm noticing is like the biggest thing for me to be able to even get anything done. is just, yeah. am I excited to do it? Like, do I want to be doing it? <laughs>
1: yes. I'm working with a business coach presently, which I've never done before. And it's been mm. like such a cool experience. Um, we're really in this growth process at Connected. And so that's been, it's been neat to bring in another voice and another perspective and a professional, you know, an expert in it. But one of the things early on I said to her, she's like, all right, so like, give me the, you know, sort of the parts of your business. Um, And as we were talking about what a reorganization will look like and where the growth, where I see the growth, I consistently kept coming back to, I have, to have there i i greatly appreciate really genuinely every aspect of our business and there are some things that i am fiercely passionate about that aren't necessarily like you know from a purely business side of things like the money maker quote unquote right which is what a business coach is sort of coaching you on is like how do you how you know how do you sustain your business um and and i kept saying i have to have passion projects like I have to have things that I'm really, that that invigorate me, right? So I'm in a very, like a, a, an amazing spot and that I I genuinely love working with my clients. I genuinely love supervising. I genuinely love networking. But then like things like introducing the podcast. She's like, what's this podcast about? I said, it's my baby. It's my passion project. I'm doing it. I don't know. I don't have training, but I'm having so much fun doing it. She's like, Cool roll with it. Right. But having those little nuggets and they change and evolve over time. Right. And so I think having the courage to like really step into those because they do, they light up an already bright space, but they, you know, they just, they make it even better. So
0: Mm. that's, that's awesome. Um, and I'm really curious about like how it's been to work with a business coach and like, I, I don't know, I I've thought about like, that for a while but always been i clearly have like trust issues cuz i always think like the first thought is like well what if they don't help me and then like they steer me somewhere wrong or like probably just out of fear those those thoughts are coming but yeah. how is it to like work with somebody and kind of i mean you're trusting them with your your business and your growth and your future yes. um how is it like to choose a business coach
1: yeah a long like everything in my life apparently know? <laughs> i'm realizing it was a long process <laughs> 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 I talked to a lot of trusted colleagues and I got several names. I interviewed several, several, three. Um, I I researched several, I talked to three different business coaches. and you know, as as it turns out, I ended up picking the first person that I talked to. And originally, I was like, wow, she's bold. She's direct, but like, I'm uncomfortable a little bit by some of the questions that she's asking. Cause it's like, you're looking under the hood already. Like we don't even know each other. What? But I'm like, that's, but I kept coming back to that. It's like, maybe that's the nudge I need. You know, I, I got to see her yesterday. I walked in. I'm like, huh, so happy I'm here. (laughs) I love working with her. Um, I love having, You know, again, just like a new perspective. She, you know, I asked her, I said, Do people feel like they come for a therapy session? And she's like, Yeah, but I'm really relational. So I picked somebody who's very much about developing a relationship because for me, trust is huge. Right. And I don't want just like a black and white here are the numbers, here's your homework, come back with it done. Right. Like, I feel like she's invested in me and that means everything and I'm equal parts invested in her and our work together. So, um, but yeah, like when you start bringing in, you know, cause you start with like budgets and finances and it's like, uh, you want to see what? Right. And like, is that allowed? Can I show you that? You know, it's, it, it was an interesting process. And yeah, again, and it took me a long time to pull the trigger. Ray and I talked about it for a long time. I, you uh, know, this is how long I'll be totally honest with you right now. So, in 2021, like November 2021, we did this big goal setting retreat. And I had put on my goals for Q4 2022 to have found a business coach. And it took me until, I don't know, this summer, I started working with her a couple months ago. So, yeah, it took yeah a year and a half. To, to really like move through that. But we're here, I'm doing it and I'm so happy I am. It's It's been amazing.
0: That's awesome. I'm glad you found somebody that you can, you know, really get some help from and yeah. excited to see what they bring to your business for sure.
1: <laughs> Me too.
0: <laughs> um, so I do also wanna talk about the word connection because I know it's such a very big theme in like everything that you do in your podcast and your business. Can you maybe... I don't know, just like talk about what connection means to you, why it's important. And because for me personally, I think it's something that I'm only recently finding out is super important. I think for the longest time I was a loner and like almost like proud of the fact that I could like never be bored by myself and like always just learning something new or, you know, figuring something out. But now I'm realizing like, oh, it's much more... I don't know, impactful when you do something with somebody versus just by yourself. Mm -hmm. Um, So can you talk to me about like why connection is important to you?
1: Yes, it's everything. It's like the secret sauce in life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I, I have described myself as a people person or a relational person. It is always how I've operated. It is how, again, like I feel when i'm in connection with other people it feels like there's a deeper purpose a greater level of satisfaction for me and right if we struggle with trust that's greatly impacted our ability to you know deeply authentically connect with other people i remember literally Gino i remember i remember what i was wearing i remember what the room looked like when i was sitting in grad school it was a night class obviously and i learned about attachment theory which is how I practice, it's how Rhea practices, it's the foundation of our practice. It is how, you know, every person who comes on as an employee practices from at least like an, you know, at least has a like a strong connection to attachment theory. But when I learned, and I I, I won't go into like, you know, the deep details, but attachment theory s- states that in order to survive as a human being, when we're young, when we're infants, we have to be connected to another human being. Our literal survival depends on human connection. And so when you study how human beings operate in the world, we talk about connection as if it is a choice. And I think uh, as an adult, we bring our head into the equation and it feels like it's a choice. And we do have impact on that. And we do have influence over who we connect with and how we connect with. And on the most primal level, connection is a survival instinct. It is how we are like neurologically hardwired is to connect to other people. It is what drives us and so if you if you like can accept that as a foundation of our being and then embrace the richness and the beauty of human connection with risk right because the more connected we are the more vulnerable we are to rejection letdown disappointment abandonment all those things right heartache all of that but it also opens up just the opportunity for like you said, like there's a deeper level, uh, your experience reaches a deeper level when you share it with another person. It's like watching a movie and you both look over and you're like, oh my God, right? And like the funny just became funnier or Mm -hmm. the scary, not so scary when there's a hand to grab, you know, those are just silly examples. But again, connection is, is a survival instinct. But if we can bring it out of the primal and allow it to just be like this, agent to create purpose and meaning in life. It's, yeah, it allows us to step into our vulnerability, like with support. And I don't know, it's, I could go on and on. But
0: (laughs) yeah, no, I I love talking about it. Because it's relatively something that's new to me within the past, I don't know, five or so years. But I was just thinking as you were talking that I wonder, maybe you have an answer for this. What's the relationship between vulnerability and connection? Are they like inversely proportional? Or are they the same thing? Or No, know?
1: it's definitely not the same thing, right? So in order, I'm just thinking out loud right now, in order to be deeply connected, we have to be willing to be vulnerable, right? Because to create an authentic connection we have to show parts of ourselves that we might feel like are undesirable or unappealing or unattractive or even mm. shameful right which is the essence of vulnerability you know because like a surface level connection is just that it's like i haven't shown you my soul i haven't offered you my heart because that requires vulnerability whereas that deep like rich connection requires the utmost vulnerability
0: mm. Yeah, no, it's, I mean, I'm sure you talk about this all the time, but for me thinking about it in this way, it's, it's almost like it makes so much sense, but it's not really anything I ever like think about in that way. And it's, it reminds me of a conversation that I had with someone recently, and they just like kind of shared this vulnerable story. And I was not expecting it because I didn't think like, I don't know, we were on that level or whatever. Um, but yeah. then after he shared, I was like, wow, I feel like I know you better and like I'm more connected to you. And like, I didn't think of it in that way, but that's totally what it was. It was because they were able to be a little bit vulnerable and share something that maybe was risky or hard to say. It instantly made a connection stronger, which to me is very interesting. And I, I don't really think about it in that way usually.
1: <laughs> and f- based in my therapeutic experience, I often find that people think quite the opposite Mm. is if I show you parts of me, you're going to leave, right? Like if if I open up, I'm going to be too much, too messy, too this, too that, and therefore you're going to leave. And so we withhold parts, which then doesn't allow the depth of connection to happen. And the relationship fizzles anyway,
0: Mm. Wow! right? Because we
1: feel like this isn't like there's there's more, or you won't how many times like they won't let me in, or I just kind of feel like they're distracted or distant, or right? It's really a protective measure, because we think if you see me, you will leave. you know, But in essence, and this is the other piece is that vulnerability is sacred. So we offer our vulnerability to people who are willing to treat it as sacred. It gets messy when we offer our vulnerability to somebody who's not going to treat it well right? Like is going to dismiss it or mock it or use it against us. And then that's where I think we oftentimes develop this belief that being vulnerable is bad. As you just experienced, oftentimes vulnerability allows us to feel closer, more connected, more attuned with one another.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think weakness is probably the word that comes to mind when you think of, I, I guess if I'm going back to like, my wiring i think maybe that that's the word that comes up if you share too much or you're too much to somebody then you're looked at as like weak or something which is not always true like we're saying depending yeah. on who you who you open up to um yeah. so i also do want to talk about the word community and i, I know it kind of ties in with everything that we've been talking about but for me personally i started networking like maybe a year ago or a little longer year and a half and for me like it's had a profound impact on like my own business and just even figuring out who I am and what I want to be doing. So for me, community has been like a huge part of my growth, even if we're talking not just personal, but like with business too. I know that you, you guys do things, community events and stuff like that. What does community mean to you? How do you, how do you, how do you participate in community? I guess.
1: Yes. Um, I'm drawn to community. I think that if if I'm if I'm thinking about it my professional network looks similar to my friend network and that I have a handful of really close trusted colleagues that are my go to. In fact I have dinner with one tonight. She's so lovely. I love her and we get to have the opportunity to not only connect professionally what are you doing she has a group practice as well but also personally, right? So very similar to my sales experience. It's like we talk a little business, we talk a little personal, right? I think that the the net goes from there in that I genuinely appreciate learning about what other people are doing, learning about what's going on in the industry. And that I think keeps me inspired and growing, right? Like that part is invigorating to me. It's like, ah, oh, I want to hear about this cool thing or I want to go to this talk and learn about this thing. I want to hear about the new ways that they're doing X, Y, and Z. But I also... I think really specific to the private practice experience, there's this weird thing that happens in grad school and that at least for me, and I've heard it from other colleagues is like, there's this idea put out that you're sort of against one another, right? Like, because it's technically competing businesses, right? What I do, you know, Bob does or whatever. And so we wouldn't be collaborative. And Having had the opportunity to work in treatment centers that Rhea and I got to handcraft and create this really collaborative approach to therapy where one client is simultaneously working with several different practitioners because all of us have complementary skill sets and to watch like the growth just emerge out of this individual, that's when I really was like, wow, we can, this is synergistic. We can be together as a community promoting growth and healing. We don't have to operate in silos. And I think that was really transformative, you know, for, for me and the way that connected operates in the community. I mean, it's one of the reasons we put out a a biweekly email blast that talks about all the cool events that are happening, podcasts that people are putting out. Like We want to promote other people. We have a trusted list of other colleagues on our website because we, we are here to create the best healing experience. And it doesn't matter if it's through us. It matters that it happens. If we get to be a part of it because we're the best fit, rad. But it happening, the healing, the transformation, the growth—that's what's most important. And Ray and I have always operated from the perspective that, like, we can stay true to that because that feels authentic and real for us. The rest will sort of unfold. You know, we'll find other like-minded people, and you know, we have, uh, you know, to date, which we feel so lucky for. Mm.
0: Yeah, that's. That's beautiful. I, I really like the idea of collaboration over competition. And I think that's, you just perfectly painted an example of why that's like such an important thing. And again, it's one of those things that maybe is counterintuitive because if you look at like, I don't know, just the numbers or from a head perspective, it's like, well, technically they are my competition. If they take this client, then I don't have that client. But I think that scarcity mindset is the thing that holds people back. And if, when you do collaborate with people together, in a setting you can do more than you ever even imagined. And, mm-hmm. and maybe that's the difference is you can only imagine so much, but when there's two people there or three people or four people or seven people, it's like, who knows what you can create. And that's, yeah. that to me is like so exciting.
1: And what we were talking about earlier, having that more abstract, like expansive creative mindset.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I love creating collaborative opportunities, right? So whether it's with obvious you know, connections or with people that, you know, are are not such an obvious pairing, but yeah, like doing that, the cool workshops and the community events with, with in, in spaces and with people that are just like a unique pairing. And I that comes from community, right. Uh, Finding other like-minded people who are willing to kind of dive in with you. And yeah, I think it keeps it fresh and exciting and yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, Well, I know we're kind of wrapping up towards the end of our time. So we'll have to pick a few questions to ask you (laughs) out of the whole list and everything else we've talked about. Um, But I I guess for you, like, what are you excited about next for your business or personally, or like what, what excites you for the future?
1: Yes. Gino, you're making me speak it into the universe. Business coach would be so excited. She's like, girl, you got homework, get out there. (laughs) i I'm gonna I'm gonna say it. We're we are I am like in the process right now, we have a large space which we envision to be a group space and haven't yet taken that leap. And I am doing it. Um, we're gonna I'm gonna start announcing on social media that we are going to begin to do a lot more community engagement, a lot more group work and creating the opportunity for, what has always been the vision, but for this, to, for, for connected to be a space for therapy, but also therapeutic experiences outside of the one-on-one. And I would say really specifically, because this is the evolution of my practice, it's kind of moving into like the mama and family realm to create a space and a an opportunity for connection for people sort of early on in their, their mothering or parenting experience. Yeah. And so we're, we're starting like a, a a monthly group and evening events and, and some really powerful collaborations, bringing in like some artistic experiential opportunities, sound healing, things like that. So expanding the way that we're going to work with some of our community members.
0: Mm, That's, that's amazing. I recently was at a fireside chat of somebody who it's, it's like, I'm, Struggling to even like come up with the term, I guess wellness center, maybe because uh-huh. um, it's a bit of a therapy practice, but then also like the sound healing and like different sorts of maybe alternative healing or, or non traditional. Um, and it's really for me interesting to see these sorts of healing centers have so many things, like you were saying. So it's not just therapy, but it's also these other things that can kind of maybe help with integration and, and stuff like that. And I, to me, that's like really exciting and uh, it's. It's been really exciting talking to you. And if somebody wants to like connect with you or, or find you online, um, do you only work in person with uh, people in the San Diego area or do you do online therapy and that sort of thing too?
1: Yeah, we do. Um, as a practice, we offer in-person and telehealth and we also have coaches um, who can work anywhere in the United States. Therapists, the client needs to be in California. Um, but now we have the ability as a practice to support people across the United States which is amazing. Um, and been such a gift. Our website is connected to Um, we're also on Instagram, which is connected You'll, you'll see my face on there. I do my best to, to keep up with our audience. Um, who's been amazing. Yeah. And it, you know, we are here to support and help if, if we can. So, um, yeah, anything that we can do to support.
0: Well, I will definitely put all that in the show notes so people don't have to remember it. And thank you so much for all of the healing that you're providing to your community and the voice that you have and the platforms that you have and for coming on my podcast and and being able to share yourself with more people. I I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you, Gino. It's amazing to get to know you more. Uh, Um, As you said, we got to work together on the editing side of things, but this was just such a joy. So thank you for the opportunity.
0: Thank you. And and best of luck with uh, speaking your vision into existence.
1: Ah, thank you. I appreciate that.
0: (laughs) Thanks for tuning in and listening to Working Towards Our Purpose. If you like this episode, please share it with a friend and don't forget to subscribe for more episodes.